When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What attracted you to the Kerry Blue Terrier, and what is it about them that 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 continues your passion with the breed? Um, I think the the first time I saw them, just the look of them was very attractive to me. I I didn't like I said I saw them first when I was seven years old, so I had no idea about temperament or anything. Yeah. It's just I thought they were just the look of them was just the most gorgeous dog I've ever seen in my life at that point. So um, and somehow it stuck to. It's just very appealing to me, that square shape with the beard and that beautiful blue coat. It's just something about it, very sexy. Okay. <laughs> so, so just, and the terrier personality, I think, suits me very well because I'm myself is very active person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, you know, to do all different things. And I'm very outside. I, I don't like to be stuck inside at all. I'm pretty much my is outside. So I like biking and hiking and swimming and all that. And um, so a terrier personality is very suitable for, for all those activities. And once I discovered how awesome they are, tra- you know, how trainable and how excited and how they're willing to work with you and do whatever you want them to do, that's just, uh, you know, adds to that appeal of uh, that all-around easygoing easy to train dog. I mean, there's some setbacks, like there might be dog-to-dog aggression, this and that, but that's, um, um, I just learn how to manage and live with that, and I don't look at it as, uh, it's just kind of building into me at this point, so I know how to manage it, and I know what to expect. Sometimes, yes, it gets in the way, uh, because that, for the most part, because other people don't, if they have dogs, which they think is friendly and that, you know, off leash and coming towards me, those kind of situations can be, you know, unpleasant because other people don't think about those situations. But, um, but that's part of a breed, so I accepted it and that's how I like it. Mm-hmm. And when you do have a litter, who's your average customer? What, uh, what are they looking for in, in the dog? Um, it seems like, um, I mean, it's not, definitely not a breed you, you know, everybody know about. And, and for the most part, if I walk them, uh, most people say, and is it some kind of Scotty or is it Schnauzer? It would be Schnauzer is the most popular guest. Um, uh, so the, obviously that's not a breed everybody know. But um, it seems like people who have uh, themselves have allergies. Mm-hmm. And um, they're looking for the dog who's, um, for the most part, doesn't have that, you know, double coat. And the Kerry Blue seems to be very suitable for people with allergenic. Um, so uh, that's how lots of people who start researching the dog, they can leave this uh, due to, you know, because they have allergies, so they limit it. And that's where that breed comes up through. And, um, but once they, I mean... It seems like there's like people looking at the way it looks, the way the Kerry Blue looks, they 
it might be just like wow factor for lots of people later look at it and like, oh my god this is gorgeous dog outside of you know even without knowing all the quality of it yet mm-hmm. it's just very attractive to look at it's very flashy especially you know when it's fully groomed and brushed and you know goes like a king on a on a show ring or even walking outside um so the look itself is so unique and uh so interesting that attracts people and then they learn you know tricks and all the temperament um uh, lots of people with kids because they're very good is like i said they're very people oriented um so if you uh, uh, people with children maybe not too young but you know like from five years on um they're very good at these children so it's very easy they like i said they're very engaging especially males so mm-hmm. if somebody comes to me and i know they have kids in the in the house i usually tell them get a male because um the bitch may not be up for you know playing with children all day long because they do like these spaces at times mm-hmm. i mean not all of them but for the most part but the male will be willing to you know run around with kids all day long mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what i do um yeah so it's uh, but for it seems like i get a lot the first line and uh emails is like we were looking for high polygenic dogs and we came across the kitty blue and the way it looks sounds very interesting so can we and i always invite people who uh close by if they want to visit i tell them you know before you decide on a puppy you welcome to come and meet my dogs because that's the best way to uh to look at them you know come in and see what they look like and you can touch them and you know we can talk about it so uh i'm always welcome people to come and meet the dog before they decide on, a, on to buy them yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. what is your favorite breed of dog that you've never owned or handled personally Oh, I'm still a terrier person. So my if I didn't have a kitty blue, I would have Lakeland terrier probably. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, because it's and um, you know some of them come actually in a black color. So I'm sometimes thinking, well, it's like a almost like a small version of a kitty blue. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> except you know the coat, you need to strip it, and I'm not sure I'm up for it. So um, I probably will stick with a kitty blue right. form. A long time, <laughs> but yeah, Lakeland or any, well, terriers. Yeah, I, I don't think I've even booked with any other breeds. Um, I'm into terriers. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <clears throat> and what is your uh, your your future plans with the Kerry Blue? Um. Well, I'm just um. Uh, well, continue what I'm doing now, but getting more and more focused on um, on the performance mm-hmm. rather than um, show. I mean, I still show it because, uh, first of all, I absolutely love all the people, you know, I made friends with over the years. So I, I go to the specialties just um, to hang out with people I know there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so that's my, you know, kind of like vacation Every year, I don't really have official vacations, so I go to specialties. And sometimes I show, sometimes I don't, but just to be around people I love. And um, and I show uh, 
because I want to finish the dog with the majors. I don't want to get single points here and there. It just seems like too much effort for what you get at the small show. Plus, it's more prestige to feel, you know, I, I feel better if I know that I finish my dog in, a, you know, good competition. So I go to the shows for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm still, I'm, I mean, obviously, I will be showing you know, as long as I have dogs, I will be showing them. But my main focus is now in the uh, performance. So, um, as there is actually, you know, more more sports coming up, like I said, we just started that sand work, which is basically new for, at least for AKC, it's a relatively new sport for, I can compete in, and there's a hurdle yet, uh, ship hurdle, which I didn't get. I mean, I know I, I uh, I tried you out in, in that sport and uh, both actually both of mine I tried out and they pretty awesome at it, but I just didn't get to it. So there's plenty of other opportunities to train in and to play this. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, the mental, um, the temperament to develop the bad temperament mm-hmm. um, in, in that breed is um, the main goal. To mm-hmm. keep it you know, to be able to have that dog who's up on its toes and ready to go, but also keep it, um, you know, not too hot of a carrier. Mm-hmm. Because it gets in the way of, you know, those good things. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And is your, uh, is your family involved? Do they share your passion? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I... I mean, my daughter is now on, lives on her own, so she, uh, it, I mean, she grew up with these dogs, but she's not, uh, you know, dog person per se. She she loves dogs, and but she's not involved in any kind of show. I think I forced her to show once when she was about five years old, and she didn't win, and she said, I'm not showing any dogs anymore <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so, so, yeah, she's, she's more, you know, she's into social with people rather than dogs but yeah. she loves them she visits and you know loving them but um, that's not so thing and my husband is um, yeah, he never had owned the dogs until he uh, met me and um, you know we just got married about 10 years ago my second marriage um, so he he loves them but they never listen to him they don't I mean because he's doesn't have that dog sense in him, you yeah. know. And some people they just he like seems like nothing he does with a dog is right. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how much I you know trying to tell him not to do this instead of this, he just doesn't have that dog sense in him. So he loves to sit on the couch with them and you know snuggle and put it. They have no, I mean, no matter what she tells them, they just don't ignore, totally ignore him. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of, so it's more, it's my, it's my, I mean, he talks about the dogs, that's my dog. Yeah. I, I do everything this stuff, yeah. So, he, I mean, he's totally supportive in everything I do, but he just, he, he has his own hobbies and, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And no, no, no problem. I hope you know it's good enough. For that. I don't yeah, know what... it was all, it was great. <laughs>
Doberman Pinscher breed because I had had Dobermans and miniature Pinschers for 20 years. Um, I've been in German Pinschers for 13 years now. And the reason why I wanted German Pinschers is because they are a nice balance of the Doberman and the miniature Pinscher. They're trainable like a Doberman, but they've got a lot of playful characteristics and a lot of personality like a miniature Pinscher. And so they make a really good in-between dog because they're only 30 to 40 pounds and 17 to 20 inches at the shoulder um, versus, you know, a Doberman that's going to be, you know, 70, 80 pounds or a Minpin that's going to be, you know, 10 to 15 pounds depending on the Minpin. Mm-hmm. So it makes them a nice moderate breed. Well, our German Pinchers are, are mostly, uh, you know, um, house dogs and, and, uh, and companions uh, watching TV with us and stuff. Uh, our kids uh, are grown and they, they go jogging with the dogs. Um, we've uh, done some barn hunt and uh, some rally, but not a whole lot of uh, anything else. We do mostly confirmation shows with our dogs, which is more of the beauty beauty pageants. It's the type of thing that you see on TV when they show the shows. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really hard question because we have owned so many different breeds over the years and I have handled different breeds for other people over the years. Um, Boy, you know, that's that's really tough. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe a Saluki. Okay, yeah. Because they're a very graceful, artistic type dog Mm -hmm. that are very smooth, flowing movement that I like. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're very elegant. And I prefer dogs that are a little more elegant. So I I would say maybe a Saluki because we had greyhounds. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, so. What did you think of the greyhounds? I loved them. They were gentle giants. They were they were so calm and quiet and sweet and just very easygoing. Just old souls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they uh, they were just a neat breed to have. We got uh, some that were retired off the track oh, from awesome. some great breeders out mm-hmm. in Abilene, and uh, they were wonderful people. And they had great dogs that uh, got along great with our kids. They got along with our Rottweiler and our Doberman and our little Rat Healer, and <laughs> they were just they were just wonderful dogs to have. <laughs> we called him a Rat Healer. His uh, father was an ambitious Rat Terrier, and his mother was a Blue Healer. Oh, that's awesome. I really yeah, we, we picked him up out of the newspaper, yeah. and I thought, you know, what better for a kid's dog? Yeah. That dog never would lose his go, and he yeah. didn't until he's 16 and a half years old. He had go. That's awesome. You know, with, with this breed, uh, the German Pinscher, mm-hmm. they actually, um, in Finland, allowed a breeder to do three schnauzer crosses okay. to diversify the bloodline more mm-hmm. um i actually was blessed with the opportunity to get one that had the fifth generation was the schnauzer pincher cross which was was quite an honor to be able to get one from the longest standing kennel in finland yeah. at the time so it was very nice to be able to bring that bloodline into ours um they also um had approved obscurely allowing the german short hair to be bred to the German pincher. Now, that to me brought in a lot more problems that I thought would be more difficult to get rid of in the long run. Fortunately, or unfortunately, I'm not sure which, the breeding did not take. Mm -hmm. And it has not been attempted again that I know of. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, in a breed like the Doberman that is having so many issues, I mean, that's why I don't have Dobermans anymore. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you wrap your heart around a dog and that dies at seven or eight years old, and it just kills you. You know, I you hate to lose any dog, but to only have seven years with it or eight years with it, it it's awful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love this breed, because they have 13 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, we test for so much that isn't a problem to make sure that it doesn't become a problem mm-hmm. that I think that with the Doberman, they are there are preservationist breeders within the Doberman breed that do a ton of health testing and only breed healthy individuals and are working very hard to try and establish the longevity that that breed had when I got into it back in 81. And they lived 13 or 14 years. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are breeders out there trying to, to preserve the breed by making sure that they they have healthy individuals that they're using for breeding mm-hmm. and doing their best to try and and rejuvenate that breed. Um, any bringing in of an outcross or anything like that would have to be done with the blessing of the uh, AKC. Mm-hmm. And there's just not too many situations where that is actually done. Mm-hmm. Um You know, a lot of uh, the breeders back in the 80s started or 90s started importing from other countries Mm -hmm. in Dobermans, trying to um, bring in some healthier dogs. And I know that with with the German Pincher that uh, we do a ton of importing Mm -hmm. uh, to try to bring in better quality and continue to maintain the longevity and to ensure the good temperaments and so on, um, because it's so imperative to diversify genes to make sure that you don't have just one line. You've got many lines. Um, I feel like the the highest quality of German pinchers in the world mm-hmm. um, has come from the Scandinavian countries like okay. Sweden and Finland. Okay. Um, some of the better quality dogs that I've seen brought into this country are from those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia has had some good lines over the years. Some of them are touchy temperament wise. Some of them are all right. Um, so that's a mixed bag there. Um, but, uh, you know, mostly the Scandinavian lines are where I have found you get the, the better angulation, you get the elegance, you get better top lines mm-hmm. and movement, but most importantly, the temperament. Many of the Scandinavian dogs are just so easygoing and so sweet mm-hmm. and, and just very, good temperament dogs Mm -hmm. and you know to me that's most important because i breed dogs for the show ring for me Mm -hmm. because i want something to show Mm -hmm. i will never breed a litter of puppies just to sell puppies Mm -hmm. i breed a litter when i want something to show and then what we don't take to the ring i try and find the right homes for each puppy Mm -hmm. and so having an excellent temperament and and good health and good longevity is the only fair thing to do to someone else who's getting a dog from you. It's just the only right thing to do. Um, I mentioned uh, uh, one of my mentors uh, when I was very young uh, was Bill Shelton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he asked me, because I, I had a Doberman at the time and I wanted to breed her. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, who are you breeding her to? And I told him, and he says, why? Mm-hmm. Now, I have a lot of respect for Bill, and it really kind of hurt when he asked me why, because I thought, you know, it was obvious, right? Right. Because, you know, they have beautiful puppies. But so he wanted me to explain to him what exactly I thought I would get from that breeding, what would be accomplished. Because, you know, 
down the road 30 some odd years later, I know. Mm-hmm. Are you taking a step forward? Are you taking a step sideways? Or are you taking a step back? Mm-hmm. Where are you moving the breed with this breeding? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Are you breeding to two individuals because you got them close by and it's easy? Mm-hmm. Or are you breeding two individuals that are compatible or complementary to each other? Mm-hmm. Or are you strengthening strength, you know, traits? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the purpose? What do you want to get? What do you plan on achieving from this particular breeding? And it's very important to know where are you going with this? Mm-hmm. What does each individual have that it brings to this mating? that will make the next generation potentially better than these two. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, you want puppies that are going to be better than the two dogs you just bred. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So I chose this particular program to resurrect the ancient guardian um about eight years ago and uh we've been working on that non-stop since then and i've been involved with dogs my whole life and i started breeding dogs back in 1995. Mm-hmm. so the american molasses is the resurrected ancient guardian of antiquity um we brought back the oldest known giant guardian of all times. This was the Molossus of Mesopotamia and Sumerian Babylon. And those dogs were the ones that eventually were uh, crossbred and created the English Mastiff and the Neapolitan Mastiff. Um, so it's historically significant. Um, it is exciting for us to have brought them back. And um, what makes them great is they're a close quarter guardian that protects um they are very loyal they can coexist with other animals they protect property and they're a giant piece of history so to see them it's like looking back into time and uh that's what we love about this breed Mm -hmm. well there's really no specific type of client i mean we have clients from different parts of the world uh different ethnicities um different cultures uh, different financial backgrounds. Um, the dogs are pretty diverse. Uh, they're large. Um, and kind of to uh, go into the last question, uh, some of the pitfalls are that they do consume a lot of food. Um, they do drool. So there's some things that would make them not be perfect for all people. Because if you don't love large dogs and you're not in a financial situation to maintain them and feed them and take care of them. And if you don't like dogs that drool periodically, they definitely wouldn't be for you. But if you're wanting a dog that, that is huge, that is an eye catcher, uh, that loves you, that's smart, that will protect you, your family, your property and other animals. Um, there's nothing like them. Nothing ever was like them and nothing even to this day is like, Mm -hmm. and so, um, those are the types of people that, uh, it works out for, and I'm proud to have a dog that, uh, can work for so many different types of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only other thing I can think of is that, you know, because of this historical significance of where they're from, 
that could be an attractant to some. And the fact that here in America, we resurrected them. Um, some people are really proud of that too, to, you know, to be in America mm-hmm. and to have a dog that was resurrected from an ancient time and be uh, actually resurrected here is something that a lot of people are attracted to. Mm-hmm. You know, again, <laughs> when I, as a judge, I'm familiar with a lot of breeds, mm-hmm. but I don't have the uh, luxury of owning all these different dogs. So, uh, you know, I just don't really know how much uh, other dogs shed. Um, I've only been around or bred, uh, you know, the large breeds, but I would say they're moderate shedders, um, not heavy shedders. And I would also say it depends on how much a person brushes their dog. So if they're brushing them, you know, daily, uh, you probably wouldn't notice this as much as if you're once a week or once every two weeks. Um, and there's a time of the year that they shed more than others. They call it blowing their coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a, mo- I'd say a moderate shedder. Nah. Favorite breed that I've never bred or owned. I would say the Griffon. Okay. The Brussels Griffon. All right. We, we, we actually had a, uh, my wife, a funny little quick story. We had this show we were trying to get going called Every Dog Has Its Day. And we would go live and we'd discuss different breeds, pros and cons, etc. And <laughs> the Brussels Griffon was one that came up. And I was pretty fascinated with that little guy because it, it looks like you would own an Ewok. <laughs> it's like a smashed face. And it's this little furry creature, and there's not much of a function for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just a toy breed, but I was pretty fascinated with that. And it's so polar different from <laughs> what I breed now. Yeah. But that would be the that would be the breed. That's awesome. So I know, uh, just being a dog freak like I am, you know, especially when we were doing that one show, it was so fun because yeah. we got to interview people and and talk with different people and learn about them, but. The one bulldog that, when I was a kid, I always remember that was in the magazines and stuff was the Hermes Oldie Bulldog, yeah. the big, huge, gigantic yeah. freak show. And I remember, uh, I don't know what magazine, you know, I'm dated, you know, I've been around a long time, but I want to say it was like Dog World or Dog Fancier. It was, you know, way back, 90s, but I remember seeing a picture of uh, Greg Hermes sitting next to that dog that had like a his head was like 10 times bigger than his and I was freaking out. Um, I, uh, this whole molasses thing, he, he actually freaked out about himself and reached out to me and we got to know each other. And, um, I was, uh, kind of in shock at first to talk to him because I just had known of him and his dogs and I've gotten to know him pretty well.